All right. Join me, if you will, in Acts chapter 5. And like I said, we're going to do uh, some Bible hopping tonight. So you can test your finger speed if you like to, or writing it down might might be helpful. Um, can you check the, the mic volume? This sounds a little loud. Is that a little loud out there? Maybe just take away the sharpness of it. It's probably better. Thank you. All right, so tonight we're going to be in Acts chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 33 through 39. And so the title of tonight's message is Pursuing the Will of God. So join me as we read through this uh, passage. Starting in verse 33, it says, When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Okay, so what exactly is going on here? So, as we've seen that since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles, and they've been diligent in preaching the word and proclaiming the good news, and thousands of people have been coming to Christ. And so now here we have uh, Peter and John, and they were in the temple in what's called Solomon's porch, and there were just many signs being done. There were people being healed. There were demons being cast out. They were preaching the word. And all these people were together in the temple praising God. And so the high priest and those who were with him, who are called the Sadducees, they saw this and they were filled with indignation. So they grabbed a hold of these apostles and they threw them in jail. And this is like the second time they've been thrown in the jail now. So they're pretty upset. Right? They, these guys are coming in. They're stepping on their toes. They're stepping on their territory. And they tell them, didn't we command you not to speak in this name of Jesus anymore? But Peter and the other apostles, so I'll back up to verse 29 for y'all. And it says, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised us up with Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses, uh, his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit who God has given to those who obey him. So this is where we're picking up. And as verse 33 said, now when they heard this, they were furious, and they plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named uh, Gamaliel, or however you say his name, Gamaliel, I always say it messed up, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew, uh, and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, Keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan 
or if this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. So this is the scripture we're going to be looking at tonight with supporting passages. And we're going to be looking at what does it mean to pursue the will of God. So I want to open with a verse from Proverbs. Now this is Proverbs 14, verse 12. And it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. How do you know that you're in the will of God? Let's answer let's let's think about that question first. How do you know that you are in God's will? Even beyond that or maybe before that, are you even concerned with knowing God's will? Now, I'm not asking do you wish you knew? Because everybody would say that. Oh, yeah, sure. Even people who aren't Christians would say, yeah, I want to know God's will. But are you concerned with knowing his will? That's a different question. Right? Or, as we find ourselves so often, are we content with the trial and error of our own selfish ambitions? Are we walking through life doing what seems right and just knowing that God's mercy will be there as our default. See, tonight's message comes down to really two things. It comes down to wisdom and it comes down to planning. Because everybody in this room right now is either in one or two boats. Either right now you're facing decisions you're facing opportunities, relationships, temptations. You're, you're facing possible job situations. And you're having to plan and make decisions. Or guess what? If you're not, give it a couple days. Give it a month. And you'll find yourself in that position, right? And so it's pretty important how we plan. It's pretty important how we seek God. Because we all have different ways where we are called to make decisions. We all have ways that we plan and and we all have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We all have set methods of how we determine what we're going to do. How are we going to determine how we're going to respond? Maybe it's our emotions, what feels right. Some people call it intuition, right? Maybe we're real analytical. We want to look at, you know, the pros and the cons. Who knows? Everybody has their own way. But here's the thing, as Christians, the way that we look at our opportunities, the way that we pursue new relationships, new jobs, new seasons, should look different than the way the people in the world pursue those things, make those decisions. Right? Christians should look different than the world. Because here's the thing, if for people with no relationship with Christ... There's no standard. There's no standard. There's no context. Well, how do you know if this is right or wrong? Ask that 
to 100 different people, you'll probably get 100 different answers, right? There's no real context. There's no solid platform. And so at the same time, there's no way to get outside of Christ. There's no way to gauge ourselves on is what we're doing really right. So we're left with what? We're left with what looks good. This looks like a good opportunity. This looks like a good relationship. This looks like a good job, right? What looks good, what feels good, and what will work, what we think will work out best for us, right? Anybody ever here go out of their way to do something that you knew wasn't going to work out for you? I don't, I tend to avoid those options, okay? So we do what looks good, what feels right, and what we think will benefit us. But it's interesting, there's a quote that talks about this. It's a direct reference. It's called, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if we're not setting Christ and his word as our standard, Really, we can have all kinds of different platforms and ways and techniques of making choices, but it all comes down to that. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I'm pulling that from 1 John 2, verses 16 through 17, which says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, guys, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Abides forever. So how do we know? Well, here's the thing. This idea of the things of the world are passing away, but the will of God is what we need to search after. That's a concept that the people outside of Christ cannot understand. They can't. But at the same time, it's, it's a concept that people in Christ sometimes don't understand. Right? So outside of Christ, we can't, but many people in the body don't. But there's something very interesting in Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 is one of my, Romans 12.1 and 2. Those are two of my favorite verses. They're two of my go-to verses. And Romans 12.2 says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the reason this is one of my favorite verses because it tells us two very important things about the will of God. First of all, if we want to walk in God's will, if we want to be blessed, if we want to live lives of a Christian, the first thing it tells us is that we can't do it like the world. You can't pursue relationships like people in the world do. You can't make plans and investments the way the people in the world do. You can't plan on walking through life the way the people in the world do and expect it to be successful. Because Romans 12.2 says this, do not, do not conform to this world. But what? But allow yourselves to be transformed. The second thing that's very important and that lets us know about God's will is at the end of the verse where it describes God's will as being good, pleasing, and perfect. 
the perfect will of God. Caden, in your seat. Now, back to back. Thank you. That'll wake some people in the recording up. Um, we can't do it like the world, and we're told that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Right? So that's good to know. So what does that have to do with the book of Acts? Well, let's look at that. Verse 33 says that after the apostles spoke, when they heard this, they were furious. They were furious that they had been defied. And what, what did they do? It says, and they plotted to kill them. Now, here's what I want to point out. So they're making these plans to kill these apostles. On a scale from 1 to 10, how good of an idea do you think it is to kill God's servants? How about a negative thousand, million plus, I don't know. Whatever number is really big. Let's go with a negative on that one. Okay, But it seems really good to them. But I want you to notice how they're making this. This says that out of their frustration, they were furious, and in that they begin to plot. And I started to think about what does this mean for us, right? And one of the things that I realized is that many times we make decisions, we make plans based on solely on how we feel out of our own emotion. We get stirred up, something seems like a good idea, we get excited, and suddenly we've got a whole plan from beginning to end, how, what we're going to do, where we're going to go, what the outcome's going to be, right? Or we get angry. And we start to look at things differently. We start to, to look at people differently. We start to change the way we view things, change the way we act based on our emotions. And we do it a lot. Even people who aren't real emotional, what they might just be thinking, oh, this is good or bad. But they're thinking that because really, that's how they feel about the situation. It seems good, right? It seems right. Seems like it'll work out. But here's the thing, unchecked emotions and unchecked, unchecked plans before God leads to plotting. So this leadership here, they already have it made up in their hearts. They already have it made up in their minds what they're going to do, that they're going to kill these apostles, right? And guess what? They're going to make it work. It's that, I don't have to, that doesn't have to be in there. I already know what they're thinking. They're going to make it work. It's going to happen, and they're going to get away with it. That's their plan. You know how I know that? Because every single time you ever made a plan in your life that you were going to try and go do, you were going to make it work and it was going to happen. And you were going to get away with it. Every single time. One of the things I love, Pastor Mark always says, he says, you know, prison, the prisons in the United States, where really any prison in the world, is filled with the people who were going to get away with it. And it's true. Right? So, in their, in their emotion, they begin to plot. They begin to scheme and figure out what is it that they were going to do to have their own way. And it's funny because just like them, I think, you know, we always have a way to make it work. Like I said, we don't, we don't very often go after things knowing it's going to fail in the end. Right? If I was going to spend all this money and all this time and all this effort to do something to know it was going to fail, I'm just going to pass. Right? I'll let someone else make that mistake. But, we tell ourselves a story. We, we pull things into our mind, and we always have a way it's going to work. Well, it didn't work for that guy. It's not working for the rest of America who's not doing it. 
I've been told by everybody not to do it, but it's going to work for me. I'm going to make it. It's going to be all right. And, you know, I think even today, shoot, there are things I think about today that I had plans on how I could make it work. You know, so for me, this is something very real. So it, it's even in small things. I get all kinds of crazy ideas and ambitions, and they, they, they usually go nowhere. But that's just, that's just how I am. And so these are things that very often I have to put in check, and I have to start gauging them according to what is this God's will. And so making decisions like this, making plans like this, we're presented with a problem. In fact, two problems. We find these problems in, G- in verses like Jeremiah 17, 9, and in James 4, 13 through 16. The first part is Jeremiah 17, 9, which says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? Do you know what that means? Your heart is deceitful. It lies to you. Do you understand what I'm telling you? The heart, the seat of your emotions is how the Hebrews understood that, right? The seat of your emotions. All those things that bubble out of who you are, they are lying to you about the truth. They are deceitful. So that presents a problem when we decide to do things based on what we feel, right? Based on our intuition, you know, my heart told me to do it. Well, that's not good. <laughs> not from what I just read. <laughs> and then James 4, 13 through 16, where the word expressly tells us, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now, listen to this, verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. All such boasting. Oh, man, you know, I got this great, I'm going to go, I'm going to live here, I'm going to make all this money. Oh, there's this girl I've been talking to on Facebook. I never met her, but she loves me. And all of this is going to work, and yada, yada. God says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, bro. Jesus says in Matthew, you can't even make one hair black or white. What do you, where are you going to go? What are you going to make work? According to who? Huh. But so often, this is what we do. We begin to plot and we begin to scheme. I know because I do it. I'm telling you. (laughs) All right? And so the problem is twofold. For one, we don't know anything. You don't know anything. I want you to go, if you ever get a chance, you ever meet some people who are cancer survivors. Maybe you meet some people who have cancer today. I want you to ask, when did you find out you had cancer? Let them tell you. I want you to say, so, the day, the week, the month before that, how was your life? Well, it was was great. I was doing this, I was doing this, I was going to go to college, I was going to, you know, yada, 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 yada. So you didn't know you had cancer? No. I found it at the doctor. 
Huh. It's kind of interesting. No idea. One day life's great, next day, terminal illness. Ask a person who lost their legs, crushed their spine in an accident. Hey, what were you doing the day, the week, the month before? Oh, man, I was loving life. I was doing yada, 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 yada. So you had no idea that that was going to happen? Uh, no. Would I have gotten the car if I knew that was going to happen? No, I guess not. Right? You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't even know how, what's going to happen between here and getting home. And yet in the arrogant boasting of your deceitful hearts and mine, we devise our own will. And it's both foolish and sinful against the Lord. Right? So it's, it's an interesting problem because for one, we don't know anything. And for two, everything that our heart tells us about the things we don't know is deceitful. So where to God, my friends? See, we have this idea, you know, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to take a trip, I'm going to show up about 3 o'clock, it's going to be sunny, I'm going to kick back, I'm going to have a good time, buddies are going to show up, it's going to be a good day, you know, nothing's going to go wrong, I'm going to get away, I'm going to come home, start the week fresh. It's a good plan. Except for you had no idea what God already knows, that on the way there, there's going to be a wreck on I-10. There's going to be construction on 35. And by the time you get there, a cold front's going to come through with clouds, rain, and wind. And so when you stop in to get a hotel and just chill out because you don't feel like driving, you had no idea that because you made three purchases four hours away, your bank shut down your card in case of fraud. And now you got to spend another hour on the phone after showing up two hours late to get your card working. Similar things in different events have happened. Not all at once. But that's life. That's life. And all your plans were what? in that moment, right? They're nothing. That could have been avoided. God knew, but no one asked God. Bad day. But God knows. You know, in James, I'm not going to quote these verbatim, but in James 1, 4 through 5, God says, you know, if any of you lacks wisdom, you can ask. You just ask God. And it says, and he, will, he gives to all liberally without reproach. You just ask. And then in, uh, in James 4, 2, it says, you don't have because you don't ask. It's pretty simple. And so just as we do, these religious teachers, they get caught up in their plotting. They get caught up in their plans and their selfish ambition. And you know what you never, ever see any of the Pharisees or Sadducees ever do? Stop and ask God. Or apologize. Well, I don't know. I guess some came to Christ. But they don't ever stop to ask God. I wonder if God made a pie chart of our life, if we'd be closer to to the Pharisees on that than we would be to his idea of a Christian. But in God's grace and mercy, amongst these people who are rejecting him, rejecting his son, God gives a man wisdom. So check this out. 
We're going to move through the rest of these scriptures in Acts, verses 34 through 39. So they're furious. They plot to kill them. But then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Gam- Ga- Gamma. Golly, I don't like that guy's name. Anyways. A teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. Now look at the point he makes. He says, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census. This this happened in the times of Jesus, by the way. And drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. So the first thing he says, he, ste- he steps into the situation where these people are plotting against God's own people. And he says, take heed to the things you're doing. Take heed. That means, hey, hold up, pay attention, and listen. Think about what you're really doing, right? So take heed. And it's interesting that that should probably be the first step in our planning too. Before we start making all these grand plans of all these grand adventures, right, where we're going to go, how much money we're going to make, who we're going to marry, where we're going to live, all these things that get us in so much trouble, maybe we should stop and take heed and find out what does God have to say about that? Is this where God is leading you? Is this where God has called you? Or is this where you're calling yourself? Right? Are we walking in God's will? Take heed to what you intend to do. Stop. Back up. And ask God. And let him answer. Because we don't know what the other side of our choices, what the other side of our decisions hold. But God does. You see, because God has a will, God has a plan, and it's better than our plan. It's good. In fact, it's perfect if you're willing to accept it. So he tells us about, he tells us about these, two, these two other type of people, these people that were rebels. They rose up, and they had a plan. Not only did they have a plan, but they amassed a following, and it disrupted apparently all the land because everybody knows about it. But it wasn't God's will. And so you know what happened? The person was struck down, and all their plans, all their efforts came to nothing. He says that twice. Their plans came to nothing. It was a waste. Right? And so as we read through this, in verse 38, he gives us two solid truths that we need to understand about. For one, if what you're doing is as you're 
as you're walking through life, if we're not stopping and if we're not calling out and asking God to simply tell us, Lord, do I go or do I stay? Do I say yes or do I say no? Lord, where do you want me? Lord, is this what I've been called to do? Yes, it's a good opportunity, but is that what God has called you to do? Because there's a difference. Trust me. I went through a long time of being surrounded. Every, every step I took, every direction I faced, there was a great opportunity. Many great opportunities. There was one that was God's will. One. You know what the rest were? Distractions. Distractions. Right? Is this where you want me, Lord? And so the first solid truth that we're told is that if the plans and the works that we intend to do are of man only, they will come to nothing. And you'll have wasted your effort. How many of you have ever been in a useless relationship? You look back and you're like, well, that was a waste of time. Well, that was a lot of hurt I could have avoided. Well, that was whatever, right? How many of you ever made plans to start a business or to, to go somewhere, to move to a location, and maybe you even started? You wasted a lot of money, a lot of effort. You drew out plans. And where is it today? Nowhere. I've done that about 100,000 times, right? I've been a tattoo artist and a halfway almost professional fighter, and I've been, you know, about a car salesman, and I've been all kinds of crazy things that have no bearing in my life today, absolutely none, right? I've made plans to move places, to be somebody, to all kinds of stuff. I never stopped to ask God what he thought. And you know what happened? Those plans came to nothing. But the second solid truth we get is that if we seek God's will and if we have a plan and it's a plan of God and it is a work of God, then we know that nothing can overthrow it, that no man can overthrow it lest they try to even fight against God. That's what he says in verse, what is that, 39. If it is of God, you cannot overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. And so what we need to do, guys, is that we need to, to have this understanding that God has a will for us that is better than what you have already. And we need to repent. We really do. We need to repent of the way you think about your life because it's not yours. You've either given it to Jesus or you haven't. If it's yours, good luck. If you've given it to Christ, it doesn't belong to you. And he has a way laid out for you. He has a narrow path that he has determined you should walk. And so we need to repent from all these, all these selfish ambitions, all these vain plannings. And I'm not saying that you can't plan to do things that are going to benefit you. I'm not saying that you can't plan for a great relationship, that you can't plan to move, that you can't plan to have a business. Great. But the wisdom is going to God first and let God orchestrate those plans. Let God put those plans in orders. Or let God tell you no. And be willing to say, okay. Okay. A no is a no. 
Because so often what we do is we get an idea, we get a plan, we get a passion, and we look for it and we go after it. And maybe we'll even stop to pray, but we're not really listening to what God has to say. You can hear a no five times, but all you need is Satan to whisper yes. And oh, that was from the Lord. Here you go. And it comes to nothing. And that's the lie that Satan has us trapped in. And this is why even Paul, he writes to his church and uh, uh, to the church of the Colossians. And in chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in his light. Man, that's a long prayer. But what is he asking? He's saying, I want you to be enriched. I want you to have a knowledge of God's will. Is that something we're praying for in our daily prayers, Lord? Let me, let me be enriched. Let me have a knowledge of your will. Let me understand your ways. Let me walk in what you have determined. Because if it's what you have determined, Lord, it will not fail. Guaranteed. If we are in his will, we have that confidence that nothing can come against his plan. But we have to stop seeking our own ways and allow God to be in control in that process. Otherwise, we find ourselves in a losing fight against God. So I want you to think about the plans that you have now in front of you, or, or maybe just let this stick in your head as as opportunities become available to you in the future is what you're planning to do are they the plans of God were they given to you were they confirmed have you even asked Lord is this where I need to be and if so amen they will not be overcome or are they simply the plans of man because if so you're going to end up empty handed just like last time. And I can say that because I know everybody has a last time. There's always a last time. Hopefully we can keep it the last time the last time. But there's a last time. So don't let yourself fall in the trap of following an imagined deceitful tale that you've made in your own heart. So I want to end with a scripture, one more scripture. This is Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. And I want this to be my, my ending encouragement for you. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon and he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways, your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So let's pray, guys. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight, Lord, and I just pray that you'd forgive us, Father, of foolishly seeking out our own selfish ambitions. That you'd forgive us for 
not coming to you, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who keeps our hearts beating and puts the breath in our lungs, Father, the one who, who was and is and who is to come. Lord, forgive us for not seeking you, for not asking for your guidance, for not listening to your voice and forsaking what you've told us to forsake. Forgive us. So tonight, give us a new heart and a new inspiration to call out to you, to trust your will, and to seek not foolish, deceitful things, but the way and the will of the only living God. And so we thank you that you're in us and that you, Lord, you're longing for us to call out to you, to answer us. And I just pray that you would give us all wisdom as we go forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.